Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're going to sneak in a little late week podcast here because it's been a busy week. My producer, uh, a little under the weather earlier this week, so we couldn't do it earlier this week, plus the trade deadline. So you know what? It actually works better that I'm taping this on Friday now that Monday, we've got a Monday night game coming up against the Dallas Cowboys, the Giants do, and the trade deadline passed on Tuesday. The only move that they made was Monday. They made a move for Leonard Williams. We're going to talk a lot about that one because that's an interesting move. Uh, it's drawn some harsh reactions both ways, really, but... I'll give you my take on that. We'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys. And we're also going to talk about something that you hear a lot, especially from fans on Sundays, and it's the coach's future, Pat Shermer, of where that's where we think that stands at this point, right? We're midway point of the season, okay? Eight games. Giants are two and six. Obviously not going to be a winning season. Uh, very, 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 very unlikely, right? Need a miracle for that to happen. Not happening. Most likely this is going to be another learning experience, uh, rebuilding season. Which is why you look at the Leonard Williams trade and you're like, is that a rebuilding move? And that's why to me a little bit strange. Now, the terms of the deal, right? A third round pick this year, the Giants give up, and a fifth rounder in 2021. Okay, Now the Giants are hoping to get and then, and there's contingencies. The Giants may put in some contingencies in case they don't end up being able to sign Leonard Williams. There's also a, a money part of it. The Jets basically paid Leonard Williams. They gave him a signing bonus before he, they traded him $4 million. The Jets basically paid four of the remaining $6 million for this year because the Giants had cap issues in that regard or they, they wouldn't be able to fit Leonard Williams under the salary cap without making some money moves. So that was a way to circumvent the, the cap. Which I always tell people, remember, there's always ways to work around the cap. And they found a way here. And that was by the Jets paying the $4 million bonus to Leonard Williams. But forget the contingencies. Because the Giants, they might get, let's say Leonard Williams walks, signs with someone else this offseason because he's an unrestricted free agent. Then the Giants help the Giants for the compensation formula the following year. But the Giants have a decent amount of money, so they're going to sign a bunch of guys. So who knows? Best, best case scenario, it'll be a third-round pick in 2021 for Leonard Williams, which probably won't because they're going to sign some guys. They have a lot of money. They're going to spend some of it. But let's say they do get that third-round pick. That's a big difference. The Giants are going to be picking at the top of the third round this year, right? They could potentially be a top-five pick. And that compensation pick, so it's basically, a, you know, it's going to be a 30, 30 picks later in the third round of 2021. But let's not even go there at this point. Let's just look at... Does this make sense for the Giants? Now it does if they sign Leonard Williams right now and they're able to keep him long term and he really, let's be honest, develops into the player the Giants think he can be because that's where we stand here. There's a discrepancy in the evaluation of the player between the Jets who've seen him firsthand now for four, five years really, okay, because he's playing on his fifth year option right now. Drafted him in the first round. I believe it was sixth overall out of USC. Giants loved him in that draft, by the way. I think that that's a big part of it here. Their evaluation on him was, you know, a top top player. In that, you know, evaluation with, I believe it was Amari uh, Cooper. Todd Gurley might have been tops on their board if there wasn't medical concerns. Uh, and Leonard Williams. Like Those were like the three guys. Maybe Marcus Mariota as well. 
Those were the guys near the top of the Giants board that year. Now, we're looking at Leonard Williams, and his sack number is definitely not there this year. Okay, The Jets see that. The Jets see more than that. They see him every day. They make this evaluation. Look, and because let's be honest, if the Jets have good young players, especially on defense, offense, it really doesn't matter, right? They need to keep them. That's an organization. They have money. They had a ton of money available this offseason. If they viewed Leonard Williams as a good enough player, they would pay him. They would give him that money. They'd want him next to Quinn and Williams as centerpieces on that defensive line. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Rejuvenated. They don't have too many pieces on the defensive line. There's no such thing. Now, Dave Gettleman, it's big to him to have a deep defensive line. He wants to rotate those guys in. He wants to have five guys consistently rotating in. We're talking in the 3-4 defense. I'm talking about the three defensive linemen. So some people are like, why did they get him? They already have a good defensive line. Well, first of all, if you watch the Giants enough this year, it's not like their defensive line is blowing anybody away. You know, it's average. They have some decent players there. I like B.J. Hill. I think he's a decent player. Dalvin Tomlinson, decent player. Dexter Lawrence looks like he could be good. But Leonard Williams, despite his struggles, is a guy who has a pressure rate, according to next-gen stats. I put the stat out if you want to go look at it, the exact stat. His you know, pressure rate is, based, is higher than all three of those guys this year, even though he has zero sacks. Now, he granted, he has a lot more opportunities, but still, that's why it's a percentage. It's the percentage, the, the pressure rate. So by snap, he's still more productive as a pass rusher than those guys. So he has a useful skill set. He's good, at, really good against the run. He can push the pocket. He's probably a better pass rusher than any of the guys. I, I'll even argue, he. look, and I talk to a lot of people about Leonard Williams around the league. Our Jets reporter, Rich Samini. And the consensus I got from that was he's a quality player. Now, has he lived up to the expectations as the number six overall pick? No. He hasn't. But if that's what you, you don't need, why are we comparing him to that at this point? That's gone. He is what he is, right? He's a quality player. Not a great player, but a quality player. You're always leaves you wanting a little more. But still, a quality player. Now, the Giants' defense not filled with quality players, right? Let's be honest. Leonard Williams, is he the best player instantly on the Giants' defense? He's up there. To me, it's him, Janaris Jenkins, and I know he's been up and down this year and not hasn't been great for sure. But, you know, it's it's not like there's just cornerbacks, starting caliber cornerbacks all over the place. I mean, he's still a starting caliber cornerback, and he's a quality player in this league. And the third guy in my estimation was Dexter Lawrence because I like what I've seen from him so far. Jabril Pepper, some people brought up, don't see that. Uh, I, I, he's ranked uh, like 60th among safeties or something like that among PFF. I, I don't see great, a really good player there. Flash plays, yes, but not an average player to me. Um, Lorenzo Carter, too. Okay, makes some plays here or there, but again, average player. So... Leonard Williams makes sense if the Jet Giants, sorry, if the Giants sign him. The question is, and the problem is, why if you're Leonard Williams, you're this close to free agency, right? You're right there on the verge. Why are you going to resign now? Why would you resign before you hit the market? Hitting the market is gold. You don't have to be great to get paid big, right? You don't have to get paid good players 
quality players get paid in free agency. That's what Leonard Williams is, right? Do they get paid probably more than they're worth? Yes, but that is what they're worth because they're on the free agent market. And those are the only players that get to free agency. The good, not great players. Now, you're going to look and you're going to say, all right, I'm looking at three, four defensive end contracts, right? And the top guys, Aaron Donald, okay, $22.5 J.J. Watt, 16.6. Jarrell Casey, 15.1. Really good player for the Titans. After that, there's a bunch of guys in the 12, 11, 10 range, okay? Now, remember, though, the Stephen Tewitt, uh, Stephon Tewitt, Akeem Hicks, Michael Brockers, Brandon Williams, who's a run stuffer for the Ravens, more like a nose tackle, Cameron Hayward from the Steelers, okay? These are all guys who are basically in the 10 to 12 range. That's probably where Leonard Williams is going to fall in. Now, he might not be as good as some of those guys, but remember, he's actually going to hit free agency. He's 25 years old. Okay, these guys are all in the 30 range. And every year the price goes up and up and up, right? The salary cap goes up. So the prices of each player goes up. Each position goes up. So 25, 26-year-old Leonard Williams, he's going to be banking. He's going to collect. He's going to be in that probably 11, 12, 13 million dollar a year range. The Jets don't feel he's worth it. The Giants hope he is. They hope they see it. And the new system, James Betcher's system where the defensive linemen get to attack more, is better suited for him. So I get the concept, but it's a risky move. Why not wait till free agency? Why give up draft capital for the right to pick, you know, to start uh, negotiating with them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I don't think that that. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze in that regard. Like, So they get to start negotiating a little early. If I'm Leonard Williams, I'm not signing a deal before at least a negotiating window at the start of free agency, and I can see what other teams are going to offer me. I'm just not. You're, th- you're already there. You've already gone this far. You've already waited five years. The only reason he would do it now is to mitigate the risk for injury, but he has eight games. There's only eight games left right now. So let's see what Leonard Williams could do in this defense. I'm interested. I'm interested because quality player. Everyone I talk to says he's the player. You know, he's not a great player that some people, that, that most people thought he was going to be, but he's a quality player. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about here, and this is, well, let's say one thing about this. It makes you wonder, are the Giants, you know, is it that important to them to improve and be better in the final eight games of this year and to try and win games in the final game this year? Does that really play into their line of thinking and that's troubling if it does now they're two and six this reflects poorly on pat Shermer. said i was going to talk about his future here and there's a lot of reasons people don't like his play call which at times has been spotty i don't think he's that that to me is the least of my concerns i think his offense is fine he, he might he should have all his weapons Available for the first time this year, Monday night against the Cowboys. I think his offense is pretty good. There's guys that he schemes guys open. His decision-making at times, that bothers me. It's been up and down. It's a little questionable. He admitted today, uh, I'm t- like I said, I'm taping this on Friday. He's not a non-math guy. Like we, We've noticed that because he'll, de- he'll make a decision based on analytics one week and then the next week go and do it differently, which is a head-scratcher to me. 
You could go back to the two-point conversion last year against the Falcons, and the following week he's in the same situation, and they don't do it. Like, if you're going to do something, have conviction and be consistent about it. But let's be honest. The decision about Pat Shermer comes down to this. Okay? Is he the guy to groom and go forward with Daniel Jones? Right? He's connected to that quarterback. Do you want to put Daniel Jones in a new system next year? I think the answer would probably be no. You'd rather not. Have you seen progress from Daniel Jones working with this regime in this offense? I think the answer is probably yes. You see a lot of good things. You see a lot of positives with the quarterback. The most important thing. You don't want to next year have to have Daniel Jones in a new system. Learning from a new coach. Maybe, you know, little intricacies changing his footwork. uh, An offense and trying to find if it's the, you know, the right plays the right fit for him so that to me is a huge part of the decision now let's just say the Giants lose to the Cowboys as expected on Monday night they get embarrassed Giants ownership will not take that well then what happens they play one more game before the bye week and they play the Jets if they lose that Jet game go two and eight into their bye week and Ownership sitting there, completely embarrassed. Yeah, questioning Pat Shermer's future, I don't think it's crazy. Do I think he gets fired? No. I'd still lean towards no. But it'll be a hot topic. And for Pat Shermer, I think you got to be like, hey, we're building something here. And the Giants need to be honest with themselves. I think fans would be all right with that. Be honest with everybody. We're building something here. We're rebuilding we're rebuilding around a new young quarterback. Look at this guy. He's promising. If you're a Giant fan or any fan and you're really watching the games, you're looking at Daniel Jones saying, this kid's got it. I talked to Phil Sims this week. Go look at the story. His review, rave review. He looks at, he already said, I look at him. I talk to people behind the scenes in business, in football. He, he's been around the Giants a couple times. He came out to watch practice a couple times. He says, he's worth the number six pick. So you look at it and you're like, okay, we have that. We're building around him. We have a coach who's pretty good with quarterbacks. That's why he was brought in here. So we need to be patient with this here. I know the record is what it is. But as part of that, a lot of that, is that on Pat Shermer? Who's going to win with the team that he's been handed? With the defense that him and James Betcher have been handed? The talent on that unit. Can anybody really win consistently with that? I would argue no. This is one of the least talented defensive groups I've ever seen. To the point where Leonard Williams, who I just told you, everyone around the league is telling me he's a quality player but not a really great player, might be the best player on the defense immediately. That's where they are. But that's what makes you wonder, is that trade really worth it? Shouldn't they be rebuilding and building towards the future? Save up all those assets. You could sign a Leonard Williams in free agency without giving up those assets, possibly. Now, granted, he'd probably get traded somewhere else, and it's a risk, but isn't that a risk worth taking for an organization that's in the middle of a rebuilding project? Unless, of course, they're unwilling to admit they're in the middle of that rebuilding project. And with that, let's go to the next part of this podcast. On to the next one. Ah, yes. 
Let's get to my favorite part of the podcast, the part where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. All right, we're going to start with a question from J.M. Silberman. He says, what's the latest on Sam Beal? How has he looked in practice? Do you think the Giants activate him? Jenkins still on the team complicates the situation. Uh, yeah, well, I think Sam Beal is going to be activated, and it's going to come soon. Probably not for the Cowboys game. Probably the following week. Uh, the Giants kept a window open, so they have until Wednesday of next week, so two days after the Cowboys game. So I think you might see him around then. Now, we we don't get to watch practice a lot in the once the season starts, so you're really only out there for when they stretch and do individual drills. But Sam Beal is a good-looking athlete, okay? He's big, he's fast, he's long. You can see why there's a lot to like there, and he's confident. I, I spoke, We spoke to him the other day, I spoke to him the other day. He wants to show everybody out there. He told me he's going to talk trash. He doesn't care. He has like a, a year and a half's worth of trash. That he, and that's the way he plays. He's had, that he hasn't talked yet. He can't wait to get out on the field and just dump it on the table. And it's going to come. I would expect Sam Beal to be a player who gets on the field a decent amount in the second half of the season. Now, nobody really knows if he can play. Because even the Giants, they haven't seen him play. Right? You haven't really seen him get in there in any real action. Even his practice time has been limited the last year and a half since they drafted him in the third round. But you will expect him back out there. I think in the second half of the season, you will see it. You're going to see a decent amount more of Sam Beal, Corey Ballantyne, maybe on the outside, along with DeAndre Baker. So a lot of rookies, a lot of youngsters out there. And you might even see Janaris Jenkins playing a little in the nickel. So... Keep an eye out for that, okay? Next question. the At, at the underscore Captain 66, what are your thoughts on Josh Gordon? Is there any possibility the Giants try to sign him since they are semi-low on the waiver order? I don't see that being the case. Look, Josh Gordon has a lot of problems in his past. The Giants, they do have two proven quality receivers in Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, and they want to get Darius Slayton some playing time. So, why are they going to sign Josh Gordon? That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I really doubt it, though. I really doubt it. Uh, next question, we go to at Bobby Madeline. I don't understand why almost every run for Saquon is up the middle. I looked at coaches filming out of 19 runs, one design run to the left and three to the right. Why doesn't anyone talk about this? Um I'm not so sure. Yes, they don't run a lot of they run a lot of power runs, but I think that's because that's what this offense is designed to do. Like there this isn't an offense where you're going to run a lot of pitches and a lot of uh counters and that kind of thing. The, the look at the guys they have on your offensive line. So I think that's why the Giants set themselves up to be a power running team. They've got a big center. They got a you know, Will Hernandez is a power guard. He's not a guy you want to have out in open space that, that often. That's not his strength. Yeah, so I think this is built as a power offensive, and I think that's why they do that, and that's why they are what they are in that regard. And to be honest with you, their success running the ball with Saquon when they have is pretty good. I'm going to see averaging six yards a carry this year. So uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's a huge problem. So, I, but I think that's the answer of why you see that most of their runs are designed, you know, between the tackles and from the from the hash to hash, pretty much. 
How come and Mike Sieber says how come Bethay has not been benched? Uh, and I think that's a fair question. He has been pretty bad. I think there's been a a, a, a huge drop off. A couple of weeks ago, I thought because I saw Mike Thomas, you know, getting in there more at practice. So you thought maybe okay, the Giants are going to do that. The Giants are going to go in there and they're going to make that move. And Mike Thomas is going to get in there for Antoine Bethay, which I think would be a good move to be honest with you. Bethay has been that bad. But they didn't do it. And the reason that Bethay is in there, he's the guy that lines up the defense. He's the guy that James Betcher trusts. Now, Mike Thomas, I think, could be that guy as well. Veteran, totally, you know, trustworthy, uh, smart guy. But they just haven't been willing to make that move yet. Now, take this for what it's worth. And I, look, I like PFF, Pro Football Focus. And I think generally they're pretty good with grades. Now, um, it, it's it's not exact science, obviously. It's a lot of subjectiveness to it. But it usually groups guys in about the right spot of where they are in, in regards to comparis- comparatively to guys around the league. And Antoine Bethea actually is rated and ranked out better than Jabril Peppers. Now, I don't know if I I would agree with that, but I think it shows you where they are ranked overall around the league, and it's probably towards the bottom half. And that's not just one of them. That's both of them. Okay, next question, at Dread underscore XC2 says, Dave Gettleman has good with drafting players, but bad with signing free agents. What do you think his game plan is this offseason with all the salary cap, and how confident are you with him in free agency? Yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head with that one. He has been bad with the pro personnel moves, which makes you wonder about that Leonard Williams trade. Do the, is their evaluation on Leonard Williams right? You know, that's what has me concerned. Is he going to be worth the 12, 11, 12, 13 million dollar player that he's going to end up being? I don't know about that. I think there's definitely doubt about that. And I think there's reason to be concerned. As it regards to free agency, I think the Giants aren't going to quite be as active as some people think. They're not just going to go out there and spend recklessly all their money. They're still in a rebuilding process. It might be like one or two really big guys, but I think. I don't think they're going to go out there and be the Jets or what the Jets did this offseason. You know, just break the market for Le'Veon Bell and uh, C.J. Mosley and uh, some of the other moves that they made out there. I I really don't. I don't think they're going to be that team. And you also have to take into account the salary cap keeps going up. There's a lot of teams with a lot of money. The Giants aren't even going to be in the top five, I don't believe. So they're not just sitting there with so much salary cap space where they could outbid other teams. There's a lot of people that are teams that are going to be in the same market as them. So so I do think they'll make some big additions, just maybe not quite as many as people think. And I think they'll be centered around the defense, the defensive line. Leonard Williams will probably be in that conversation because he's probably going to hit free agency. So, you know, re-signing a guy like that, adding a significant pass rusher, I think is a move. Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars is a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on closely. Makes a lot of sense for this team. Quick, fast, young pass rusher. Does he do uh, that much else? Probably not, but that fits uh, what they need. That defense really needs a guy like that. Uh, last question. We'll go to Brian Cal- Calbodanis. I um, probably just butchered your name. Sorry about that. With the Leonard M- Williams trade, it doesn't make sense. They'll have cap room next year where they could sign him. Giving up 
no draft picks. Gettleman made the trade because he can see the Giants losing a lot more games this year, the rest of the year, and getting his coach in jeopardy get fired at the end of the year. I, I agree with that. I'm skipping a part of the question. Uh, John Marin never wanted to trade OBJ, but Gettleman said by trading him, it was the only way the team would improve. So by the end of the year, the loss keep piling up, and the crowds at MetLife dwindle in attendance. Gettleman fears for his job. Therefore, he pulled off the trade to try to save his job. Do you agree with me? In essence, is he also hurting the Giants' future by giving up value of draft picks for not a te- a not-win-now team? I do agree with you in the sense that the Giants are thinking more about winning games this year and that factored into the equation than people would like. And that I would like and probably you would like, based on what I've read, just read right there. Now, the thing is, I don't think it's necessarily because Dave Gettleman's trying to save his job or save his coach's job. I think it's because ownership, and that's why it's probably not out of the question for you to question ownership in this regard. They're the ones that prioritize winning in the present, and I'm talking about John Mara in particular, while doing this rebuild of sorts. like They're not totally sold on the rebuild. If you always talk to John Mara, he's not into, okay, we'll be all right losing games. He's never going to come and – that's my impression is you're never going to get that from him. You're never going to talk to him and come away thinking, okay, he's all right if they go 4-12 and 12 because they're building towards the future. No. He wants to win games now, compete now, be competitive now, while simultaneously restocking, rebuilding the team. And that kind of – so I think Dave Gettleman, in a way, is fulfilling the demands of what's being asked from him above as well. And he also – believes in that so that's why i think the giants are stuck in this vicious cycle of how come they're not fully rebuilding they're still in a way always make these moves the golden tape move the nate solder moves the now leonard williams moves of okay we're trying to rebuild but at the same time we're trying to win games and we know and we've learned over and over and over again over history that does not work it puts you in the vicious cycle that the giants are stuck in right now we're now we're on seven years of a bad franchise with one little outlier one year outlier in there seven years that's right that's where the giants are and you hope at least the hope now is at least you see these things going on and it still concerns you but that the quarterback is in place and he's going to save everybody's bacon. That's what you're hoping. That's what you're hoping. All right, on to the next one. We're going to wrap up this episode with a little Jordan on the beat where I give you an idea of kind of what it's like to cover the Giants and the NFL in general, give you a little quick prediction, and then we'll get out of here and get ready for the Giants' next game on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. So we're sitting here. Um, it's Friday afternoon, right? The Giants just put out a... Uh, I'm doing air quotes story on Dave that has Dave Gettleman basically giving his comments about the Leonard Williams trade. Give it directly to the Giants website. Uh, didn't take any questions. You know, essentially what this results in is uh, it's a press release, right? Because if he's not answering questions from the media, then he's it's really and he's not getting pressed on anything or asked for an explanation. And, and Giants obviously aren't going to. This is their own website. They're not going to print out a ne- the negative side of anything. So, I mean, that that's just not the way that it works, right? They're, they're, they have their own purpose. 
and that's to promote their business, to promote their brand. The media in general has a different purpose. We're there to hold people accountable and to give the fans, you know, an honest, here's both sides of the equation. I mean, people are, are allowed to give their opinions. You get both sides. You get the information from both sides where everybody stands, and, and then you can give your opinion or present it as news. Uh, so, you know, th- that's the fine line we walk now, and the Giants taking the high road on this one. They, they don't want Gettleman in front of people, and they don't probably, and I, this is my assumption here, I don't know this for a fact, but they don't want Gettleman to face the criticism or have him out there giving his comments and then it turned into something that, that they don't like and, and be presented in a negative manner. Because let's be honest, there's people out there who don't like this trade. I'm probably leaning towards that side. Uh, I don't love it. There's some definite, and we talked about this earlier, there's some definite restrictions to it, right? There's definite limitations because while Dave Gettleman says he might want to resign him, he might not be able to resign him. Leonard Williams might not want to resign right now. He might say, I'm going to the open market no matter what. Where then at that point, you're like, well, why would you give up the draft picks? What did that do for you? Give you a little head start? Yeah, this is a dilemma that when you're covering NFL and you're covering professional sports in general, that you're running into is more teams are willing to hide now behind uh, their own media. And I use media again with air quotes here because, again, they're – own person who works for the team is not going to sit there and ask them controversial, hard questions. That's just not what their purpose is. So you're not going to really maybe be getting the full story. You're getting the giant story. And that's the danger of this all is that you should want the full story as the fan. You should want him to be asked tough questions and be held accountable and responsible for the moves that he makes. I mean, you saw the Jets across town. Uh, Joe Douglas, after the trade deadline, went out there and he spoke about Jamal Adams and the moves that he made and the Giants, they elected not to. So this is something that everybody's dealing with, the uh, internal media websites and just the media arm of the team. And the reality of it all is if you're not really getting questions, you're only putting out what you want to put out. It's really a statement or better yet, it's team propaganda, right? Because you're putting out the message, a controlled message of what you want and that is in this case kind of what they're doing. And you could get all upset, go get all excited about it. And some people have this, you know, you could go search it on Twitter and, uh, you know, talking to team employee says this gives flowery answer. And it's true. The problem is not everybody understands that that's what's going on here. So that's where it gets to the point where you could be misled by the information that comes out. So, it's definitely a problem that people are dealing with today. And we're at a standstill. That's kind of where it's at. And with that, I'll give you a little ro- little prediction before I run. It's hard to go with the Giants in this game. The Cowboys healthier off a of bye week. We saw the talent discrepancy between these teams in the opener. The Cowboys just ran them off the field. It was an 18-point game. I don't even think it was that close. Now the Cowboys come in this one healthy. It's in MetLife Stadium, which obviously an advantage to the Giants. David Jones, Daniel Jones is now the quarterback, not Eli Manning. But that doesn't close the gap enough where I could, I'm could. i going to sit here and really feel good about picking the Giants in this game. So I got Dallas 32, Giants 26. And that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, you can reach me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, wherever you can find me. I'm usually available. And we'll be back next week 
after the Monday night game. It'll be a really a little bit of a compressed week because they're playing on Monday. Tuesday's supposed to be the off day. So the hope is that I'll get you a new episode early next week. Probably tape it on Tuesday, but we'll see. Don't hold me to that because I, I keep making promises and then I don't live up to them. So I think I'm better off not promising you anything and promising you the the worst and the least, and maybe then I could at least surprise you. So I take that back. I retract that. I'm, I'm going to tape it on Tuesday. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.